Gonna kind of wrap up the the little four week series we've been doing about Christ and looking at these issues here in the book of Philippians. And uh, again, as you get here, as you get to settled in Philippians four, uh, it is good to see to see everyone. Uh, Linda was we were talking. Uh, Linda counts. We take we we take roll every Sunday, and those of you not on not in roll or your letters are in the mail. And uh, but uh, we this this past year we we keep we get an average number of kind of what we've been doing and and uh, I've I've always been in awe that anyone would come to listen to me teach. Number two, number one, they would even come, <laughs> let alone listen to then number two to me teach. But as over the years, as we've grown and as we've you know begin to see new people come in. Some folks leave, you know, Tesh, is, Tesh left, they're gone. We have new folks coming in. It's good to have the winter visitors back. There was a time when we were maybe 10 or 11 during the summer and winter visitors show up and we'd be 40, you know, and that's okay. You know, it's good not to be that way for longevity's sake. But uh, now we, this past year, I believe Linda told me we averaged the number of tenants of 68. So that's really good. And our low number wasn't in the 30s this year. It was in the 40s. But, but uh, so that's a good. Because, and when I say low number, I'm talking about June, July, and August when all of you wimps leave. I mean, all you guys leave <laughs> instead of staying and sticking it out, you know, and, and toughen it up. And, you know, that little thing, toughen up, buttercup, that tight, okay? Yeah, see, I tell you what. But uh, anyway, it's, uh, yes, sir. Uh-huh. No, there you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, they're right over there. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. All right. Thanks, Joe. Always good. Yeah. <laughs> Philippians chapter number four. And as we come to look at this section, again, I say that just so that you guys know that we do have a reach, an outreach. Uh, Ricky was giving me the, the um, online statistics, and we're literally from places that reach in. We're all over the world, you know, all over. And we'll do, talk more about some of that in... Uh, at the end of the month in the state of this assembly address. So it's good. All right, Philippians chapter 4, if you will. We're going to talk this morning about Christ being our strength. And uh, again, we come, verse 13 is the verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. And uh, we've looked at the issue in, in chapter 1, verse 21, where for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christ is our life. Then we looked in chapter 2 and verse Christ where he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Christ, he's our thinking process. He's our mind. And then last week as we began the, the new year, we looked at verse 10 of chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And that issue of Christ being our focus and our goal and the center of everything that we're going to be doing. And then this morning, now we're, we're going to talk here one more time where he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Now, this is a verse that goes to church a lot, but it's highly misunderstood. It's highly abused. It's highly misinterpreted because it's verse 13, right? That means we have a context around it, doesn't it? So when we begin to talk about this passage, about Christ is our strength, when Christ is our life, chapter 1, when for to me to live is Christ. When I have his mindset, chapter 2. When I have his way of thinking as my thinking. When he is my goal. When he is my focus. When I want to know him. Then and only then can you say, verse 13, that I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. Because it's in thy, that thinking it's in that, that process 
of understanding of being in the issues in the first three chapters. That when I come here to the end of Philippians, that I can say, you know what? I know that in all things Christ strengthened me. I know I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. Why? Because he's my life, he's my mind, he's my all. So where's my strength lie? Not in my energy, but in his energy, in his efforts, in his working. Because if it's in me, guess what it's going to do? It's going to fail. It's going to fall apart eventually. It's going to become frail. Eventually it will die if the Lord tarries. Then you cross the page on your Bible to verse 19. Because verse 19 is another verse that gets highly abused and highly misunderstood. And I'll be honest with you, when you understand verse 13 and what's going on, verse 19 falls right into place. And it's no longer an issue. Verse 19, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You didn't catch, I misread that, did you? Some of you did, okay? He shall supply all your what? Need. You see, by the, by the way, your, the new Bibles change that word need to want. Boy, we, I want a lot of things. I was up at the dealer with, uh, with Linda's car getting some things fixed and everything under the warranty. And sitting in the parking lot was a 2018 Jaguar F-Type 400 two-door convertible, black on black, 10,000 miles. Woo, slick as slick can be, man. You didn't even know it was a Jaguar until you got up close to look at the emblem. I looked at that, and you know what I did? I want that. Problem is, is I don't have $100,000 to buy it because it's a $100,000 car. Like, oh. You know, used it was marked down to seventy-five thousand. I'm like, you got to mark it down another twenty-five k, Bubba, before we can even begin to talk. And then we're going to come down another twenty. <laughs> Let's get this thing down. In the by the way, right now is not a good time to buy a car. You know why? Because you got five auction houses in town for Barrett Jackson and all that. So everybody jacks up their prices, and, and when they don't need to, anyway. I've been. I uh, never mind. They want. They change it to want. Why? Because need and want are two different things. What do we need? You know, we're, I, when the kids were little, we were, we were in the toy store. I tell this story over the years, and, and, and we're going through Toys R Us, if you remember such a building. And we're going through, and, and the kids are like, oh, look, and I said, you don't need that. They, they said, oh, Daddy, I want it. I said, you don't want that. And Ricky goes, no, I need it, Dad. <laughs> well, that's two different things, isn't it? How do you know what's going on here in these two verses? Verses that come along and really begin to be used by Christian dumb, D-U-M-B, by the way, out there. Well, they have a context that they sit in. Notice verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. The context starts in verse 11, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Paul is going to talk about, come back to chapter 1 real quick, just so you see this. Chapter 1. Paul is going to talk here at the end of the Philippians. He's actually going to praise the Philippians. He's actually going to, he's going to brag about them in Scripture. Now, I don't know about you, but it'd be kind of cool to be bragged about in Scripture because that's what he's going to do with them. He said there in chapter 4, verse 10, I'm going to talk to you guys about the, the, that, uh, that your care of me hath flourished again. He's going to talk to them about giving and about them taking care of Paul. Chapter 1 and verse number uh, three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, you see that fellowship in the gospel? He's not talking about we all getting together and having a good time. He's talking about what he's talking about here in chapter 4. Go back over to chapter 4, verse 10. The, the care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now look at verse 14. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that's, there we are in chapter 1, from the beginning, 
When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus things which were sent from you as an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply. So what you have there is you have a context for verse 13. I can do all things. The all things has a context. And the all things here, and the context starts now in verse 11. In verse 10, he says, I want to talk to you real quickly about your offerings, your giving and to me. Picked up in verse 14. But in verse 11, 12, and 13, he's going to reach into an issue here of the heart motive of why he says to him, I didn't need your gift. I'm thankful. I want it to abound to your account and fruit. And God accepts the, the sacrifice and the offering. By the way, you'll notice that the sacrificing and offering that we do today is in the issue of giving. Isn't that interesting? And Philippians there. And he says, verse 11, not that I speak in respect of what? Want. Again, what did they do in verse 19? They moved need to what? Want. Paul says, I'm not, talk, I'm not in respect of me wanting something. Notice he doesn't say need. Because what ha, what is, where's Paul's needs been met? In Christ. He's my, my, he's my mind, he's my life, he's my all. You see, Paul had everything. Philippians 3, he was wealthy, profited in the Jews' religion. I think about that. Here's a guy who had money in the bank account, and by the time he ends up at the end of his days, he's a poor man, laying on a beach, naked, no clothes on, shipwrecked, can't buy a nickel to rub a penny together, can't do any of that, and yet he had all of that. I'm sitting there going, where does money go? Well, he probably put as much of it as he could into the ministry, didn't he? I'm, I don't know, I, that's what I would think. He's a guy like me. Verse 11. Not that I respect, speak in respect of want, for I have learned. Isn't that interesting? There's a learning. Where do you learn? Inside of you, don't you? I've learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I've learned something. I've learned to be content. Now, in, to Timothy, he's going to say contentment with what? Godliness is great gain. See? Contentment. Being, being okay with what's going on. <laughs> being content. The condition of his life here at Philippi, by the way, he's in jail as he writes to the Philippians. Epaphroditus has been there. He's having to send Epaphroditus home. He's sick, nigh unto death. Notice that Paul doesn't bellyache about the conditions of his life. They're irrelevant here. Most folks, most of us judge the value of life based on our circumstances. Based on what's going on around us. How our family is. How our finances are. What kind of car you're driving. <laughs> We, we focus in on that. What's happening in our life? Paul says, no, I, that's, that is all irrelevant. I've learned that in whatsoever state I am, I'm going to be what? Content. Now notice how he identifies for you state, his state, verse 12. I know both how to be. Don't miss the to be there, the state of being. I know how to be what? Abased. What's abased? Poor. I know what it is not to have two nickels to rub together. Folks, I know what it is to have $10 in the bank account and kids are hungry. And you go to the grocery store and you put the stuff up there and they say, well, it's $25. And you're pulling off. I know what it's like. That's what Paul's saying. I know what it is to be poor. I know what it is to be abased. And I know what it is to abound. I know what it is to drop down 25 bucks. No big deal. I got it. We got Cash bank and the money, money in the cat and money in the bank. Okay, I know what it is to be in what both extremes of life. 
Everywhere in all things I am, I love this, instructed. Both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I've been instructed. I've learned. I've come along and I've had the Word of God instruct me on what's important and what really matters in life. And I know what it is to be rich and to be poor. I know what it is to have and to have not. I know what it is to be full. You ever been hungry, worked all day, didn't think about eating, and boy, you get down at about 10 o'clock at night and you're starving? Yeah. And then you go in and wolf down half the refrigerator, wake up the next morning with a bellyache, going, oh, what did I do? <laughs> you know? No. Not you? Okay. I know how it is to, to be what? To be hungry. But I also know what it is to be full. When life is up, everything's great. And when it's down, guess what? I've been there. It's interesting, there's no promise here of you never being in pain or in poverty or being rich and being wealthy. It's just what? Life. Verse 19, 419, But my God shall supply all your need according to, notice, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Notice there's nothing there about your circumstance. Your circumstance is not the issue, folks. It'll change. You understand that. Look at, the, look at this past week in the news. Look at the stock market. It changes daily, doesn't it? We hit 29,000 points, most ever. End of the day, it was down almost to about 150, 100, almost 160. Huh? Do you realize that a, that a couple tweaks here and there in economic policy and that market is at zero? That's how fragile it really is. It changes, doesn't it? Look at the political scene. One minute, everything's good. Next minute, next thing you know, we got fighting going on over here and bombing over here. and all. What happened to life? For some folks, it changed. For you and I, it just kept humming along, didn't it? Some of that stuff I didn't even know happened until later in the day. I'm like, what happened? Everybody's upset. <laughs> you know, Folks, this isn't about life. That, the outward stuff is going to change. But I've learned to be. Where do you learn? You learn inside, don't you? What will never change is who you are in Christ. That's what he's getting at here. When he says, I'll supply all your need according to how you're doing and what you're doing and how many, how many times you go to church. Where's your attendance record? <laughs> See Linda. <laughs> That's what I'm going to put on mine. See Linda. <laughs> you know? No, he says, it's according to what? His riches where? In Christ. You see, folks, we have an identity that's bigger than the stuff that's going on around us. And what Paul learned was that identity. What he began to learn was, you know what? In the things that come down through life, poor, full, hungry, rich, have, have not, been there, done that, all that stuff, you go read in 2 Corinthians 11 that happens to him. He says, that's nothing, man. That's nothing about... You know what? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Paul learned that. Paul learned that, hey, I have a place where everything I need is supplied, and it's in Christ. That's what's going on here in verse 13 and verse 19. He says, listen, I, I, in, in verse 19, in light of verse 13, I can do all things. And the all things, folks, is verse 11 and 12. That's what the all things are here. That isn't going down and winning the world to Jesus. Because guess what's going to happen? You ain't going to get that done. I read a little thing this morning online, and, and you know what? People just don't like the Bible anymore. They never have liked the Bible. But now it's even a And all this stuff now railing about the Bible out there in social media, okay? And I sit there and I go, wow. That's just stuff. You know what's going to happen with those folks, by the way, is one day they're going to wake up in the lake of fire and go, uh-oh, what happened? Wait a minute, maybe that old book was, 
should have listened. That's what the reality check's going to happen. The all things here, taking what life gives you, what life brings you. Think about that. Taking it on because it's who I am in Christ. Taking it, looking at it and saying, you know what? That event happened because of life and whatever the reason. But you know what I can do? I can get through it, all the things, because where my strength lies is in who I am in Christ. That's why over and over for the last 20, 15 years, I've hammered, got to know who you are in Christ. Got to know who you are in Christ. Not because I like to say it over and over again. I do like to say it over and over again, but that's not the why. But because that's where your strength is. When he says, I, I, in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Come over to Colossians 1. Just turn the page. Folks, there's no deliverance here by signs and powers and miracles and wonder workings and all. Uh uh, you just got to hunker down and get on with it. But where, do the, where does the strength come from? Have you ever seen somebody go through something and go, man, where'd they get the strength to do that? Here it is for you and I. Colossians 1, look at verse number 11. Wonderful verse here. Right in the, verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Notice what Paul's desire that you be filled with what? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Gold, silver, precious stones. Have that be what's built up into your life. That ye may walk, what? Worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Your walk, that's what we're talking about. Your life and time right here, right now, in the crisis of the moment. That that walk be what? Worthy of the Lord. And worthy there. He says to the Corinthians that our labor may be accepted. And you go, well, wait a minute. You're already accepted in Christ, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that I have taken who I am in Christ, and I have put it into the details of my life, and I am living based on those details of who I am in Christ, of the sound doctrine working in me, of Christ's life living in me, not I, but Christ. Not going along going, hey, hey this is a beautiful day today, you know? And do that. I played golf the other day with the guys from work, and they're like, man, a beautiful day. And I'm like, yeah, a beautiful day. Up four. Here we come. Wide fairways. You know, you know where we played? Far to the left and far to the right. <laughs> you know, we were in the, <laughs> what was crazy is one tee box. I went left. My cart partner went right. The other guys, one went with me, and the other one went the other way. I said, we should just change carts. <laughs> and like, no, folks. What does he say? Hey, I would have you to have some knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. No, being fruitful, increasing. Now watch verse 11. What's that first word? Strengthened. Notice how being strengthened, and, Christ, and I can do all things who Christ that strengtheneth me, comes, it's connected with the sound doctrine. It's connected with the knowledge of his will, and the wisdom, and the spiritual understanding, and walking worthy, and coming along, and, and ha having the knowledge of God, and increasing in that. Notice how all that's connected to being strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience, and longsuffering, and joyfulness. Notice what the strengthening produces in you, in verse 11. Notice what the all things, and everything, and all that, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the increasing, what does it produce in you in verse 11? How about a little patience, long-suffering, and joyfulness? Could you use that in your life? I got one of those little things in the car called the State Farm, don't mess with my discount things. I fail. And I'm looking down through it, and, I, and you know what fails me? It's the little five-letter word called speed. Too fast. And then it's that braking word. Why, why would they ding you for braking? But it's a hard brake. You know, it's a, you know, <laughs> okay? And I'm sitting there looking at this, and I'm going, this is going to go out the window. But I can't because then I mess everything up. 
Folks, we're, we're talking about you you're doing things in life. A little patience. <laughs> a little slow down, Rick. <laughs> oh, a little long suffering. Hey, honk, honk, honk. You cut me off. Honk, honk, honk. Now, I get great joy in doing all that, by the way. Because my flesh loves doing it. And it brings great, tremendous joy. You guys follow what I'm doing, right? Yeah, right here. See, I'm strengthened, man. Yeah, yeah. what a hypocrite. I'm not, I'm agreeing with you. Look at, but look at what, when you sit there and you say, you know what, let's do this the way, let's think about this how Christ would think about this. He'd run them all, I mean, he would wave at them. <laughs> no, what would he have? What would you have? A little patience. You would have a little bit of peace under pressure, wouldn't you? A little long-suffering. You know, that, and by the way, long-suffering just means what that word says, suffering long. Putting up with it for a long time. But really, putting up with it is kind of the wrong way to say that, isn't it? It's having a different perspective about it. Because doesn't life come along, and it, I'm good or bad, and you've got to put up with it anyway? But you have a perspective about it. Joyfulness. I, I, I love that. Joyfulness. You know where joyfulness comes from? Deep down inside of you. The bowels of you. Where you look over there and you say, you know what? I have this internal working of power of God's grace in my life. And I can look over there at that guy and not honk at him, but let him in. I can look over there and when it says 65, don't go 85. I can go, well, you might just to be safe. <laughs> I tell you what. I was over, we were on that 303 the other day, and you thought I was walking as fast as they were going by me. I drive on the new 202. I was showing Linda where I worked with the water truck, and we, this, this whole three-quarters of that freeway I helped build and stuff. And, and I'm over in the far right-hand lane at 65. And I, boom, boom, boom. But you know what was great? Right behind him, here comes the, the state trooper. Boom, and they were flying. right. Pull, get up, and there's he, this... One guy had two guys pulled over. Another guy had two more. I mean, they were pulling them over left and right. I'm like, nail them. Get them. And I'm, them, not me. I'm, you know. <laughs> you know. Folks, that joyfulness come down deep inside of you. You're in Colossians. Uh, look over at Ephesians 3. You see, when he says, I can do all things with Christ that strengthens me, it's, 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 it's that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It's increasing in that. Ephesians 3, if you look here at verse 16, Paul, another one of Paul's prayer, he says that he, and that's really starts back up in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he, that's the Father, would grant... You, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit on the outer man. Didn't say that, did it? Where? In the inner man. He works in you, folks, not on you. The on you stuff is on you. But the inside belongs to him. He comes along and he fortifies that inner man. He, gives, he strengthens it. So that you can then get down, you can then say, I've learned to be content no matter what comes my way. I can relax, contentment. And I can sit there and I can say, you know what? This will work on out. I don't know if you've ever done that. Step back, come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Step back, look at what's going on, and say, you know what? I don't have to worry about that I can just step back I told you 2nd Corinthians 4 right come on over to chapter 10 real quick 2nd Corinthians 10 verse I was looking for last hour I was reminded of where it was 2nd Corinthians 10 notice if you will verse number 3 for though we walk in the flesh we do not what war after the flesh folks you can't if you get out of your flesh we're going to have a, a memorial service for you. You're going to be dead. 
We walk and we live in the flesh, your body, right here, right now. But what do we not do? We don't war after it. We, under, we reckon it to be crucified. We reckon it to be, in our identity, Romans 6, to be dead. Freed from its constraints. Now come over to 2 Corinthians 4. You know where I'm going, verse 15, 16, 17. When he talks here about, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He's talking about that strengthening of the inner man that's going to lead you to have some patience, some long-suffering, and some joyfulness in whatever the circumstances of life is that comes. No matter what happens, guess what? It'll be okay. And you'll, you will make it through it as long as you have what? Christ as your life. Him as your thinking process, and Him as your goal. Because that's where our strength is. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 15, a passage that we've read many a times. For I love this. For all things are for your sake, that the abundant grace may through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. By the way, I hope you always notice how many times everything we say and do is for the glory of God. And any time we mess up, guess what it's for? The glory of God. I'm going to walk worthy and well-pleasing for what? The glory of God. I'm going to do this over here for what? The glory of God. <laughs> that glory issue is a big deal, isn't it? Because in glory, what do we put on display? Ephesians 2, 6. We're going to show the riches of his grace to usward. Look at what he did to those dogs, <laughs> if you will. Verse 16, he says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice how we're to be thinking. Not about the outward man, but about the what? The inward man. The outward man's going to do what? Get sick, get old, and die. Happy, happy, happy. Joy, joy, joy. That's the way it's going to happen. You know, I think about Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh. Here we go again. <laughs> on the bottom of the list. You know, you, come on. you got to remember Eeyore. Come on. Woe is me, exactly. Why'd you pull my tail off? <laughs> you know. What? <laughs> yeah, don't do that. But we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna focus on that inward man, aren't we? We're gonna do what? Renew it day by day. How do how do you how do we renew our minds day by day? The daily intake of the word? Reading, give attendance to reading. But watch verse 17. Four. Why is that inward man renewed day by day? Why are we to focus in on that inward man activity? For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know what? We get so focused in on what we're doing down here right now. You know where I put my eyes, didn't I? Right down here, instead we're just supposed to be looking at his glory. Seek the things which are above. Set your affections on things above. Seek those things. Set, get it all squared away. Why? Because right now is just a moment. James says it. He says your life is but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. Get over yourself. It's what it is. We got little, you know, you get, have a kid and you have baby. We got babies, got little guys. And you know what? You love them. Forever, don't you? But in the moment, tragedy can hit and they're gone. And you're gone. What are you doing? Paul says, redeem the time. you got to use that wisely. Notice here, he says, hey, our light affliction, which, which is but for a moment, does what? Works. What an attitude to have about the moment. Not the affliction, the moment. Because the affliction's going to change. It really does. But the moment never does. The moment, the, the moment that you have to make a decision on what you're going to do never changes. Because every situation comes to that moment in time. Good or bad. You're going to come to a moment when you got your free will, you got to make a decision. Which way am I going to go? Everybody does. It's just what it is. 
that moment of decision-making can be very daunting, can't it? It can be very heavy, or it can be very freeing. When you sit and you apply the sound doctrine to the moment, to the situation, to the scenario of what is going to redound to the glory of God. Verse 15. What's going to get him the glory? Not me. I'm in the moment. I already look like garbage. I already look like dung. I'm already there. It isn't about me. Is it going to redound to his glory? What's it going to do? That's the moment. And you know what Paul says? When you got the right mindset, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You can make the right decision. But what happens if you make the wrong one? <laughs> you just made the wrong decision. That's all you did. Because guess what's going to come back around that moment when the decision time is to be made? The moment. That's why verse 18 is so critical in this, in that we walk by faith and not by sight. The things that are seen are what? Verse 18, temporal. But the things that are not seen, faith, is eternal. That's why later down in chapter 5, he's going to say we walk by faith and not by sight. You see, folks, when you're in that moment and you're crying, Christ, strengthen me and give me the answer and help me, he's going to just whisper in and goes, I already have. I already did. I've blessed you with all spiritual blessings. I've made you complete in me. I've given you everything. I've made you an heir. I've made you a joint heir. I've already got you seated in the heavenly places as if you're already there. You just got to trust me. You got to believe me and believe the doctrine. You see, folks, where our strength comes from is from who we are in Christ. But taking that understanding and then putting it into action putting it into the details of life. And I do that by a walk of faith. First, I know the information. I know the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the prudence. I'm increasing in that. But, so I know it. Then I come over here and go, uh-oh, I need it. And then I come over and I say, now let's go get it done. It's one thing to know something. It's another thing completely to need it. And then it's a completely different thing to then go to do what you know you ought to be doing. So when you come back to Philippians 4, as we kind of wrap up this little, the Christ, the center of our life being Christ, when he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me. I can do it, folks. Through Christ. The place of our strength is Christ. That inner power that's already ours. You've got it. You just got to learn about it. Got to know it. You got to know you need it. By the way, when do you need it? In that moment. By the way, we didn't finish that verse over there in 2 Corinthians 4. It works for us a far more than exceeding what? Weight of glory. So the moment is weighty. It's got a heaviness to it. But what's it going to get us in the end? Glory. There's that glory thing again. <laughs> okay? But in that moment, when you have to make a decision, a weighty one, or a light one, I'll be honest with you. But one that's going to weigh on you, the trouble. It's like that verse over in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, when he says, all temptation is common to man. You're not anything special. I'm sorry, bust your bubble. It's all what? Common to man in that moment. You know where? That power, that inner power that is already ours in Christ, and we have to make a choice of faith to rest in it, to claim it, to look at it and to say, that's where I need to be. And I need to see that live in my life. Make that choice. A choice, come back over to chapter 1 of Philippians. A choice that you make 
in that moment. And folks, boy, what a privilege we have to make that choice. Someone said a minute ago, free will. That's a wonderful thing, man. Not to have to say, okay, Lord, what do you need me to do? And he goes, all right, do this. No, he says, I already gave it all to you. You're an adult and my son. I want to see how you're going to do with it. Do with what? Well, I better get to know it. <laughs> I know I need it. Now let's go live it. What a privilege we have to walk by faith in the reality of who God has made us in Christ. The answer, folks, is in Christ. That's where, the, that's where our strength is. That's where we have our victory. That's where we have our liberty. That's where we have our acceptance. That's where we have our dependence, by the way. That's where we have our all in all. Philippians 1, verse number 9, Paul prays for, for uh, verse, well, verse 8, For God is my record, how greatly I longed after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So this love isn't the mushy-gushy, boyfriend-girlfriend, hubby-lubby stuff. It's a mental attitude, a thinking of knowledge and in judgment, discernment. Why do I pray that you would abound more and more in it? That ye may approve things that are excellent. Number one, make the right decisions in life. Sometimes our decisions aren't the right things. Okay, learn from them. Move to the next one. Because <laughs> what's going to happen? That moment, man, when that moment comes around, a lot. And number two, verse 10, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. I always kind of skipped over that part of the verse until one day it dawned on me that not to skip over that part of the verse anymore. That you may be sincere. What is sincere? Genuine, right? True? Right? Nothing, nothing, nothing off about it? Real. Good word, real. Sincere. That you're going to be who you are without a, a, a veil or a covering. And sincere and without offense. Now he's talking about our walk. The day of Christ, that's the judgment seat of Christ, that's the rapture of that event. It's a glorious day. What happens at the judgment seat of Christ when we meet the Lord in the air? What, what gets judged, 2 Corinthians 5.10, the things that a man has done in his body, inside, good or bad, right? Inside. Well, if I'm sincere and I'm being who I really am and I'm over here trying to walk without offense, that's why Paul would say there in 2 Corinthians 5, look at 2 Corinthians. I got, see, it's off the notes. 2 Corinthians 5. You've got to see this, folks, because our strength comes from understanding this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 9, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. See that labor, that work, that walk there? Paul's accepted in Christ. That isn't the issue. He's talking about his service. The things that I'm doing over here in the work of the ministry that I'm doing. See, chapter 5, the reference of the judgment seat is what did you do? 1 Corinthians 3 in reference to the judgment seat of Christ over there is what did you do in other people's lives? What did you build on other people's foundation? That's why he warned you, be careful who you let build on your foundation. What did you help? What did you allow to be built on your foundation? And then the guy building it is on the hook two in 2 Corinthians 5. What did you do? Service. Paul says, My labor. Boy, don't you think he was a little frustrated with the Corinthians after this about this time? I think he's unpulled his hair out three times with them. He just fed up with them. He's not happy with them. He says in chapter 2, if I come down there, I'm going to be like a dad dealing with a, <laughs> a misbehaving kid, you know? And I don't want to do that. Look at, look, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Folks, what is Paul saying in Philippians 1? Man, when that day comes. I want you to be sincere and I don't want you to have any offense. Because what happens on the day of the judgment seat? We go through a, 
a purification, don't we? A fire. What happens to the offense? What happens to the wood, hay, and stubble? It's gone. That's offensive, isn't it? He's not talking about sin in your life or not. He's talking to believers who know the truth, Philippians, and they're walking inappropriately. They're not walking as who they are in Christ. Paul says, I want you guys to be right when that day comes. Now, back to Philippians 1, verse 11. How does that get accomplished? How does, how does verse 10 get accomplished? Verse 11, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by your activity and everything you're doing and all this wonderful stuff and who you are in Christ. No, it's by who? Amen, praise the Lord, right? No, what does he say? Which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. Notice the fruits of righteousness which are going to be produced into your life are by who? By our strength. No matter what life brings, folks, we have our victory in who we are in Christ. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now, real quick, go over back to chapter 4. Let's just kind of wind down to verse 19. You see, folks, we have our liberty, we have our victory, we have everything in him. And he is the one that will strengthen you, who will help you get through the moment when you walk by faith. When you walk by sight, it ain't going to work because you're going to struggle. So you've got to walk by faith. Now, watch what happens because... 11, 12, and 13 are just kind of stuck in there a little bit. And then verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye have communicated with my affliction. Right? Talks about the giving. Verse 17, their fruit. Verse 18, notice, but I have all and abound. I am full. Well, what would that be a reference back to? How about verse 11 and 12, the context? Then he says, that, that sweet odor and the sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How does he supply all their need? Notice carefully. How was Paul's need supplied for? Okay, I'm not asking the question the right way. All, everything you said is right, okay? But look, but my God shall supply all your need. How do, Look back with me to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Sorry, let me ask it this way, okay? <laughs> ask a bad question, you're going to get bad answers, right? But what do I want to know? What I want to know is... is you, go back there to Philippians 4. Let's let Second Corinthians. What I want to know is, is, is it lunchtime yet? <laughs> Look at Second Corinthians 4. Okay, I'm sorry, Philippians 4. I am too. I'll be with you. Look at, no, I'm not hungry. I'm just trying to figure out how to say this. Get Second Corinthians 7, but go back to Philippians 4. I was trying to finish 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Like good luck that happened. Okay, look at Philippians four. Okay, Paul says, "Not with verse fourteen, notwithstanding ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction." Okay, how did they communicate? They gave to him, right? They gave to him in Thessalonica at least once and again under my necessity. How did God supply Paul's need? Through the saints. He didn't whisk it down on the wheels and the backs of angels, flapping through the air and dump it on his lap. He didn't show up and use the ravens and the birds and all the bees and the, all that stuff. How did he supply Paul's needs? By the saints. Right? So in verse 19, how does Christ... How does God provide their need? Through who? Through Christ. But who's preaching Christ? Paul. The sound doctrine. So when he says there, you can let Corinthians go because I finally got it across there, I think. But my God shall supply all your need 
according to his riches in glory by Jesus Christ. How does God make that tangible and real in their life? It's through the preaching of the Apostle Paul and the communication of the sound doctrine. How, do you, how is your need supplied today? Same way. How do you take care? How is my need supplied? You take care here. The passage in Corinthians 7 was Titus. Paul's missing Titus. Titus shows up and, and he was relieved and, and, and the Lord answered his prayer by Titus showing up. Okay? Follow that. How does your need supply? It's by Christ, but it's by the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. Okay? The sound doctrine. How's my need supplied? Same way. You guys have an impact on that. I have an impact on your supply. Okay? Follow that? Okay. Whew. All right. We good? Our strength is who? It's him. It isn't me. I, you can replace me real quickly with somebody else. Okay? <laughs> oh. Brother, we need to sing that song, Blessed Quietness. <laughs> Actually, that's a good song. Anyway, we have all that we have and need in Christ. And just let me remind you, and we'll, we'll say this so we can go home and I can res be rescued. When Christ is your life, and he's your thinking process, and he's your mind, and he's your focus, he will then be your strength. Because in the moment, you'll say, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? And you won't say, what am I going to do? You'll say, Lord, what do I need to do? And the Lord will say, the Holy Spirit working with his word will say this or that or whatever it is. Or if you're searching and you don't find it, then you reach out to, to me, say, hey, I need some help, and we'll get in the book and we'll get you some help. That's how that works. That's the rescue. Okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for you, our strength being in you. And a good thing it's not in me, but that it's with you and who we are in your Son and who we are that the Father has made us in everything. And with, with thanksgiving that it may be redound to thy glory. And we'll give you the praise and the honor for that. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, thank you.